Hello, everyone, and welcome to the MMA Island podcast. I am Jack Kennedy alongside Mace Martinez and Keelan McNamara. And today we have a big podcast for you. I'm Jack Kennedy, and they hit a lot harder, in my opinion, too. Mace Martinez, I don't think that's going to happen because those are two of the hottest divisions in the, in the UFC right now. I'm Keelan McNamara. He is here to stay. And I see him being a huge problem. And this is the MMA Island Podcast. Um, UFC 259 was amazing. From start to finish, a lot happened. Uh, we will be breaking down all the title fights, all the madness that happened, um, as well as Dan Hardy just got fired from the UFC, sort of kind of weird situation going on over there. And some fan questions for you today. Let's go ahead and get into it. So our first of the three main title fights was uh, Aljamain Sterling versus Jan um, versus Piotr Jan. Uh, and it was a really crazy fight. Piotr Jan was pretty much winning. I think we can all agree. Um, and then he threw a terrible illegal knee, ended up costing him um, the fight disqualification win for Aljamain Sterling. A lot of craziness, a lot of opinions about this. Mace, let's get it started with you. What are you thinking about this whole situation? Yeah, I, I can't believe the fight ended this way, man. Um, Jan has to be aware of the rules at, at that time, at, at all times, but especially at a time like that. You know, he's a world champion martial artist. He's He has to know better. I could understand if this was like a bang-bang situation, um, but it wasn't. Like, Sterling yeah. had his knees. Sterling was a downed opponent for several seconds uh, before he threw that knee. Uh, as far as Sterling goes, the spinning attacks, and I think I told I think I told Volti all this, or at least Keelan, that the spinning attacks have to go, man. They they can't they can't be so frequent uh, throughout the fight for him because he just wasted so much energy. He was he was literally falling all over the octagon, and you know, Jan made just a little bit of contact with his legs, and he was falling over. He looked drunk, he, is what he looked like. He was just out of it. So. Uh, those definitely have to go for for him. I thought he he would have put uh, forward a better performance uh, than he did, but uh, Jan looked great. Uh, he was hurting Sterling almost every time he landed on him. I, I thought for sure he was on his way to a, a victory, either unanimous or or maybe a late stoppage, because the the power the punches were starting to add up. Losing the title the way he did is it's just absolutely mind blowing to to see that the way it played out. I'm not really going to get into whether or not Aljamain Sterling was acting uh, to a certain extent, you know, because first thing, the knee was pretty damn good. It was a pretty good shot that he took to the head. And the second thing, if I have a a win bonus of $100,000 or whatever it is on the line and I got a world title coming to me, you know, then I might act a little bit as well. You know, he's a, I can't continue away from, from winning the belt. So, uh, just crazy, man. And then the last thing I'll say about this fight, and it kind of brings somebody else into it, but TJ Dillashaw, that dude just needs to be quiet because oh yeah, if there's oh. if there's one person in the in the promotion that has no room to talk about anybody doing anything, it's TJ Dillashaw. Yep. So that kind of gets on my nerves that, that he had, you know, I mean, the set of balls on that guy to say something like that after the crap that he pulled, and and uh, it's just insane, but. Yeah, didn't see the fight ending the way it did. I, I mean, I guess our predictions were right. Aljamain Sterling won the belt, but in a crazy, crazy way, man. Um, what a disappointing end to such a fantastically hyped fight. 
um, you know, amazing fight to start with. Let's try and trace this chronologically just so we can at least bring it back to something. Uh, Piotr Jan looked amazing. Absolutely excellent counter-striking. Very smart counter-striking. What in the hell was Aljamain Sterling thinking? Like Speedy Gonzalez or the Tornado throwing all these crazy elbows in there? Absolutely stupid. Just wasted so much energy. By the end of the second round, like Mace said, he looked punch drunk. Uh, Just the craziest tactic I've ever seen him try and use. Uh, Piotr Jan, as I said, was absolutely excellent. Um, he was rightly ahead in two of the three judges' scorecards. How in the hell the other judge had a 49 or whatever it was for Sterling? He had him ahead. How he had it's utterly beyond me. Someone obviously snuck Adelaide Bird in from the WBC, so get him the hell out. Um, and then as for the finish, it's one of the it's one of the craziest rushes of blood to the head I've ever seen. Um you know, Piotr Jan's blaming his corner, and rightly so, because you can hear him, you, well, you can see him look at his corner, and they tell him to go in for the kill, but Mace made the perfect point that I was going to add on to anyway. You are the world champion of the most stacked division in the UFC right now. Just like a soccer football player, like an NFL player, like a baseball player, it's your job to know the rules that you're fighting or competing under. Ultimately, the buck stops with you, Piotr Jan, and you should know not to be doing that to a downed opponent. Sterling was down for at least a good, clear five to six seconds, and you still did it anyway. As far as I'm concerned, whether Sterling's acting or not is irrelevant. You can't do that to a downed opponent, and he took that flush to the cheek as well. So as far as I'm concerned, Sterling was fully within his rights to do what he did, whether it was acting or not, to me personally, is immaterial. But they absolutely will run it back, and I'm looking forward to that. Um, But Piotr Jan's created so many more problems for himself. Not only has he made this first fight look like a farce when he was winning comfortably, I think we would all agree, but now Aljamain Sterling knows what he's up against. And you can bet your bottom dollar he's not going to come in with these stupid ass elbows again. He's going to come in focused and he's going to work in his wrestling game too because I think he barely landed a takedown all fight. Um, the guy I feel most sorry for out of all of this is Corey Sandhagen. You know, he's yeah. he, he's worked his way to the very, very front of the queue and now he's got to wait again because Piotr Jan didn't know the rules somehow. Um I really, really feel for Sandhagen. And as for TJ Dillashaw, he can just shut his mouth. He can't talk to anybody about anything. Seriously, TJ, just just do not do this. You're you occupy no moral high ground in this conversation at all. And I really feel for Corey Sandhagen having to go through another title eliminator. Because if TJ wins that, I'd be pissed off and justifiably so. You know, this is like I mentioned it a while ago. Dillian White with the WBC all over again. How many title eliminators is Corey Sandhagen going to have to go through before he gets a shot? Personally, I think TJ should have to fight at least four fights and win them dominantly before he even enters the room of the discussion. I don't like him being brought in for a title eliminator immediately at all. I think it's absolutely ridiculous, but yeah, crazy, crazy fight. Piotr Jan, what were you thinking? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's all you can say, right? 
Uh, I'm going to go ahead and start and get the TJ Dillashaw stuff out of the way. I think he's going to be fighting San Higgins next. That's what they're looking for. San Higgins going to work him. The way San Higgins looked in his recent fights, that he's going to he's going to be looking really good. So I would not be talking. Does. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I would not be talking right now if I was TJ Dillashaw. Also, because you have nowhere to stand on for any accusations with regarding anything. So, moving past that, the fight was honestly amazing. It was obviously hyped up before this, and it lived up to the height of the hype whenever um, they they stepped in there. I was honestly shocked at how good Piotr Jan was fighting. I felt so stupid for saying that Aljamain Sterling was going to win because uh, Piotr Jan really proved me wrong. I have become a believer in Piotr Jan uh, after, at, whenever I was watching that. I was like, man, I completely underestimated how good his wrestling was. I think it was like 16 takedown attempts. One He was taken down one time and he got back up in like 15 seconds. So it, he was amazing. He was perfect pretty much. Um, and he, what he does is, and what he's done in every single one of his fights is, he just kind of stands straight up, weathers the storm, and then pours it on later in the fight. And he did that. Aljamain Sterling almost looked a little bit, um, and I haven't seen him like this in his career in a long time. He looked a little bit flustered by the moment. He seemed really um, trying to put too much into every single shot. Um, he seemed almost nervous for the opportunity. Um especially with the style where he was just, he just kind of sits and absorbs and then pours it out in, in small bursts because he didn't really do anything. But then Aljamain Sterling got comfortable in that first round. He landed one per, one punch and dropped him. And then from that point on, he started to control the fight for me. Um, so it just, a, it's a perfect strategy for Piotr Jan and Aljamain Sterling. I, what you say, Keelan was amazing. And, and it's, it's true. He is what, what, what Piotr Jan did gives, Aljamain Sterling such an advantage going into the next fight because the way this fight was trending was Aljamain Sterling. Okay. You're, you're going to have to fight again, fight a couple more times to get the title shot. Now you're the champion and you get to see, wow, I was losing that fight badly. I get to completely change up my game plan and see why I was getting beat so badly and go back into the next fight. Whereas Piotr Jan is starting over again and having to go back in and, and, and get his belt back. Um, Talking about the knee now, it was just no matter what your corner is saying, first off, he should not have his corner speaking two different languages. Um, I know he, he can speak English and he can speak Russian, but he should have his corner either all speaking Russian or all speaking English for this reason right here. Second, and I agree with both of you, you cannot blame the corner. You are the world champion at 135. You should, and you, he does know that that is a blatantly illegal knee. Even if your corner is shouting that, you should have the awareness in the fight, especially when it, it wasn't a, it wasn't even like he was holding his head down there and then need him like split second. He was holding it down there for like a good 10 seconds looking around like, what, what should I do? You should know that's not what you should do. And, and another thing was he was in that situation multiple times in that fight. Aljamain Sterling, because of all the, the spinning strikes and all the over, over uh, energetic stuff, he was really gassed in my opinion going into that even even that third round. Um, and, and so Piotr Jan was really just having his way with him. All the, all, like you guys said, all the spinning stuff, lazy kicks and stuff, every, it seemed like every three seconds, Piotr Jan would catch a leg and kick him to the ground. And then he would, it would be like the same situation. Then he would get some punches, hold his head down, get some punches, kick the calves. Um, it, it was, it was working it, just to do that. Not only is terrible for Piotr Jan, but it's so hard to watch after a great fight as well i'm so entertained by it, it lived up to the hype lived it would live past the hype um Jan was like proving why he's the champion i'm like wow i am impressed um 
because no one's done that to Aljamain Sterling in a long time. And then just to do that, to throw it all away. Um, and I'll say the one thing I didn't like also at the end was when he was raising his hand at the end. It's like, what, what do you, what do you do, man? Like you can't, you can't be raising your hand. Um, and I'm sorry, I've, I've been going on for a little bit, but the last thing I will say though, um, the acting thing, if any of us took a knee like that, or if anybody that's saying he's acting and stuff took a knee like that, we would probably be out cold. That was like a wind up knee that landed right in the face. And I do, maybe he was a little bit over-exaggerating it, but I don't think he should have continued in that fight, even if he was able to physically stand up because he was at least concussed in that. He, he didn't look right in the interview or whatever. You could see it in his eyes. I think he, he was, he was, he definitely looked dazed. Um, so maybe he was a little bit overreacting, but I, I do think for his safety, taking a knee like that, I don't think he should have continued. So um Long story short, Aljamain Sterling is the champ. Piotr Jan is going to have to face this mistake and the next time they fight, uh, fight and he blew it. That's, that's all you can say is Piotr Jan totally blew it. Yep, I agree. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's nothing more you can say about it. Just yeah. absolute nightmare for him. Yeah. All right, so this is going to roll into a little uh, side topic from this. Um, obviously, Aljamain Sterling won the belt off of a disqualification uh, and Mace actually brought this up with the fan questions thinking that this was a really good question from him. I thought we should just branch it off of this. Um, should you be able to win a UFC title fight off of a disqualification? Yeah. So the reason I asked this question is because I wanted to get the, your guys thoughts on it, but uh, it had been brought up on, on some, some social media site and there's a couple of fair points to, to both sides of that question. One if a champion is in trouble in a fight and, and, you know, if titles aren't going to change hands and a champion is in trouble during the fight, then they can get themselves disqualified and keep their belt. You know what I mean? That they know that get themselves disqualified, keep their belt. On the other hand, people are giving Aljamain Sterling a lot of crap because he sat there on his knees forever. So on the flip side of that, an opponent could just stay in the down position forever and, and not worry about taking strikes like, like he took the other night and kind of slow the fight down that way. So I, I saw both sides of, the, of that argument. In my opinion, I think they should just make knees to a grounded opponent legal. You know what I mean? And, and you know, let the fight play out because one of those two things is going to happen. Either the champ's going to get disqualified. And in this, in this instance, I mean, they lose their belt, but really – I mean, I know Aljo's taking pictures with the belt now and he's proud to be the champ, but he didn't win the fight. Like, he was getting torched before that. And then it just, that that so happened. So, I don't know. I, I don't even know if I can answer whether or not it should change hands. I just think that they should make the knees illegal. I mean, make the knees legal. Yeah. And let these guys fight it out. Um, but it's just crazy, man. And then you get into, like, if the title doesn't change hands and you get into the sort of the WWE aspect of things where you know the champ there is just getting disqualified he keeps the bell and it's it's like a big old fiasco but uh un, uh, just unbelievable the way that fight ended but yeah i want to know your, your guys uh opinion on that yeah it's an amazing question and of course given the fiasco we saw at the weekend it's the most topical question to ask in short from my view yeah you absolutely should be able to win it 
why should your chance at a title that comes along perhaps maybe once or twice in your career be compromised because of something the champion does? You know, a lot of people, and Mason's absolutely correct in what he points to, online a lot of people have been pointing to Anthony Smith when he fought Jones and how he continued when Jones need him. And it's absolutely correct to bring up, but that was a completely different situation. Anthony Smith was falling to the ground from what I remember, and then Jones hit him in the heat of the moment. So that's a completely different context entirely. It almost fits to me, given the amount of crap that was talked in the fight that Jan methodically needs Sterling. It's like he looked to his corner for approval to land the kill they gave it. And he thought he might get a point or two taken off and just write out the decision. And I don't want to see mixed martial arts become that, where people can just take shots at each other and have no consequences. If you do something like that, you need to be punished. And if that's getting your belt taken away from you, then absolutely. Even if you, even if it's a fight where there's a lot of buildup and it's intense, you're still expected to conduct yourself like a champion. And it's funny, it's ridiculous how WWE is relevant, but in this case it is. It's like that, you know, anytime a fighter is ever in trouble and it's perhaps going into the fifth round or a fighter looks like they're going to be finished, what's to stop them from just an eye poke or a groin kick or something like that or an intentional knee? So, yeah, absolutely. Titles should be awarded via disqualifications if necessary. Of course, it's very rare we even see it happen. But on the occasion that it does, the system worked for Sterling. Now, whether he was getting torched or whether he was acting or whether he celebrated, in my opinion, is irrelevant because he didn't ask Jan to name. That's Jan's responsibility not to. All he did was sort of claim the money in the bank opportunity off of his stupidity. You can't, you can't blame Aljamain Sterling for that. We all would have done that. Now, Jan gave him a, the absolute golden ticket when he was about 10 minutes away from a dominant decision. But that's on Jan. That's not on the opponent. So, yeah, I in short, my argument is you should be able to take the title if there's a disqualification scenario. Oh, I don't know. Uh, I mean, that's obviously that's the question. Everybody's been talking about it. Um, it for me, it was just so disappointing. First off, what I'll say is my answer, I agree with Keelan, um, but for different reasons. Uh, it, where, where a lot of people's minds are at and where, where my mind was at whenever this happened was I was just so disappointed um, and, and, and angry at the situation because it was such a good fight and everything. And you really hate to see um, the belt change hands like that. Uh, it just it didn't sit right with me. But at the same time, like Keelan is saying, he did take a very, well, okay, not even very, that is the definition of an illegal knee is what he took right there. Mace, a point you brought up though, and I saw Demetrius Johnson talking about this, because uh, over in one, it is legal, that knee could be legal, and I'd be okay with that, because I uh, I do like that kind of thing, and uh, it, it, it does help fighters move transition on the ground stuff, and that strike would be interesting to see become legal. I don't think it will. But I would be okay with that. Um, but man, I don't know. It it, it, it doesn't sit right. But uh, and another thing is though, this is such a rare situ situation. This is the first time it's ever happened in the history of the UFC that a disqualification has resulted in the change of the belt. Uh, it, it, that so that's why I think it shouldn't change. Is it's so rare, and the more you start to change things. MMA rules are so weird and, and, and kind of loose, but strict in other areas. So it's they're all over the place. The more you start to change stuff, 
the more everyone will become confused. Kind of like the the, the unified rules of MMA. They're not unified anymore. And, and like Rio, they have replay, but you can only have one hand down. It's like, it's all over the place. So um, I, I don't know. I, 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 say, I say don't change it um, because it's all the, – the, the rules could be all over the place. It's it's a rare it's a rare thing, um, but I mean, man, what what's the there's a thing where um it's it's not a no contest if you've gone two of the three rounds in a fight or or three of the five rounds in the fight. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's like if you if a fight gets stopped to like an eye poke or, or a groin shot or something, they go to like the judges' scorecards. Um, I think you could do that if uh if the champion is like winning maybe. And, and if the champion is winning and takes an illegal knee from the challenger, um, you could then award the, the champion, the belt or, or vice versa. If the, if the challenger is winning and then takes an illegal knee from the champion, you give them the belt. Or, or then if nothing happens, you could just award a no contest if it's even or, or whatnot. But again, that's slippery slope. So I just say, I just say, don't change it because it's rare. And the more you change it, the more it could get chaotic. Uh, and obviously all the reasons that Keelan mentioned as well as the fact that it is an illegal shot. So um, as much as I hate to see it, I think that's just the easiest thing to do. I know that didn't really make sense, but that's just kind of where my mind is at. It's all over the place because it's such a weird thing that happened. Yeah, yep. cool. yeah I agree. I think you're absolutely right. And yeah, there's a reason why we have disqualifications. Whether the rules should be changed or not is a completely different discussion. The rules of the night, you're meant to know those rules and you're expected to abide by them. That's not a valid excuse for changing the rule. Like if Piotr Jan comes out and says, oh, well, the rules should be changed, some knees should be legal. That's not the argument, Piotr. You're meant to know the rules that you are competing under, not the rules that you want changed. So, I mean, if it's a debate about whether the rules should be changed or not, I think that's a fair and different debate to have. But I really don't think Piotr Jan is a leg to stand on here. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, um, let's go ahead and move into the co-main event of the evening. And thankfully, we all picked Amanda Nunes to win. Um, so this one should be a relatively short thing we can move from. Um, mm-hmm. But Amanda Nunes won very quickly, armbar, like a minute into the fight. Uh, what do we think about this one, guys? Well, you know, what is there to say about this one? Nunes did it with the entire world. I think everybody in the world, except for you, expected her to do Um I feel like Megan Anderson would have showed a little bit more tough toughness, uh, but it was like as soon as Amanda landed on her, her eyes just nearly popped out of her head. Like it, you could tell, it was just a totally different punching power than she's ever felt before. Um, it's just domination. I mean, what else is there to say? We need Nunez against Shevchenko. You know that 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 way it's, it's at least competitive. I don't see anybody beating Amanda or e- even coming close unless it's unless it's Valentina, uh, but. Yeah, I mean, Nunez is a beast, and she just tore right through Megan Anderson, who looked like she was game walking to the octagon in the octagon. I mean, I really thought that she was going to hold her own and make it a good scrap, and it just was not that at all. Now, I mean, now we understand why Nunez is the is the goat. Ladies and gentlemen, guess who called the shot? This guy <laughs> did. I told you. Amanda Nunez is different gravy here. She's on a level on her own. Um, 
you know, credit to Megan Anderson, she was tougher than I thought she would be, actually. I thought she would fold with the first punch that hit her, but I told you, Amanda Nunez gets you up against the cage, lands that overhand, and you're finished. No one can take that power. Like Mae said, it was almost like a cartoon. Megan Anderson's eyes nearly popped straight out of her skull as soon as she felt the raw power of Amanda Nunez. And, you know, Amanda made it look effortless. That's the scary thing. You know, Megan Anderson is no fool and she is by no means an average fighter. And Amanda didn't even break a sweat. I don't think she even got a single punch landed on her. That's the level we're talking about. Uh, you know, amazing punch. Megan Anderson was never going to get up from it. Fantastic BJJ in the ground. Got, obviously started throwing the bombs in the ground. Got the body triangle locked in. Reversed it into a reverse triangle. And it was just amazing. She, realistically, Amanda could have finished that fight any way she wanted to. And I think she just made another pressing statement. Like me said, only fight I want to see Amanda Nunez in from now on is Valentina Shevchenko. Because if we're looking at the levels of women's mixed martial arts, there's a different universe in which there's only Amanda Nunez and Valentina Shevchenko. Like Wei Li Zhang and Rose Namajunas are elite. And I would put Jessica and Draj maybe just below them. But those two are in a complete realm of their own. And there's no doubt about it anymore. I mean, Amanda Nunez just somehow looks better and better with each fight. And she proved it again. No one has taken either belt off her like any time she's going to keep those belts as long as she wants them. Amanda Nunez, women's goat. Yeah. Oh, uh, so I took a risk last podcast. Right. And I said, I said, when Megan Anderson won, I would pull up a picture of her. So I'm pulling the reverse. I have to show Amanda Nunez her respect. <laughs> there you go, Amanda Nunez. I was oh, uh, stupid. I don't. You know what? Whatever. It made for an interesting topic. Whatever. That's fine. Ah, uh, man. Watching this, just whenever she's walking out, and the confidence that she has, the the mental toughness that she has, she's virtually unbeatable. Uh, and I, I say virtually just because Valentina Shevchenko is the only one that could put up a fight against her. No one else can. Megan Anderson is not a, a, a weak fire. She's very, very tough. In fact, hasn't really been challenged by many other people in the UFC. She took a one punch from Amanda Nunes and felt the power difference. And she was on the back foot from there. One, literally a jab, one, one punch. And she was like, wow, that's something I never felt before in my entire life. Um, and you could see it. Uh, I, I, I saw, I saw her take one punch and, and just kind of go off the back foot and she, she didn't really find any timing or anything. Um, and I was like, man, Amanda Nunes is, it's just another level. There's a reason she's the goat. I mean, no one can challenge her. Megan Anderson didn't even have a ranking next to her name. And that's because there are no rankings at 145 because she, there's Amanda Nunes. It's a division. And realistically, she's a division for 135 as well. Um, there's not too much you can say that hasn't already been said. She's just the greatest of all time, period. That's all you can say. Um, and by the way, even if we all pick the same champions again, I'm never picking against her again. Just never again. All right. I, 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 I've learned my lesson. Um, but man, the only, we mentioned Valentina Shevchenko. 
The only other fight that would interest me, and not that I think she would lose, but because it's a big name in another organization that I'd like to see come into the UFC that would be that weight class, is Kayla Harrison from the PFL, or maybe she's not PFL anymore. I don't know where she's at, but she is a judo Olympian, very good, um, has has a good stand-up game, and has looked unbeatable in her organization so far. I think she would get torched against Amanda Nunes. However, that would be the closest fight that I think they, the UFC could potentially put together. And I want to see Kayla Harrison in the UFC so bad because she needs to be um, by far, in my opinion, maybe aside from Cyborg, the best uh, woman fighter outside of the UFC at the moment. Um, and I, I would love to see that fight come together down the road. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's all you can say. Greatest of all time. That's it. Yeah, I think that'd be interesting. I think that that is a fight that should happen down the line. Uh, I know her and Amanda are teammates are at American Top Team. Okay, yeah. So it'd be very interesting to see uh, that go down. I think Amanda would beat her. Uh, obviously, it's hard to bet against Amanda, but Kayla Harrison is a beast. And I think you're correct. I think she is with PFL right now at the moment. But that, that would be interesting. It'd be something we've never seen before. Uh, obviously, we know Shevchenko would be interesting, but we've seen that before. We think Shevchenko took one of those fights against Amanda. Uh, so it would definitely be worth watching if, if she was to fight Kayla Harrison. And I don't know who it was at, at the end of the, the fight the other day. I think it might have been John Anik that was like, uh, well, Nunes is going to hear from Juliana Pena at 135. Like, what is she going to hear from her? Like, come on. I like Juliana Pena. She's tough. But no there's, way. Just, there's levels to the game. And Amanda Nunes is on so many levels. There's so many levels higher than Juliana Pena right now. Uh, so, yeah, it's it's Shevchenko or Harrison. I think that'd be interesting. At this point at women's 135, you could, w, you could do a WWE-style gauntlet match and Nunez would still wipe out 135. She's far too good. I mean, at featherweight, obviously, you couldn't because it only is Amanda Nunez. She would just have to try and beat herself somehow. <laughs> that would work. But she is amazing to watch. And I don't think we'll ever see the likes of Amanda Nunez again. She's so complete. You know, she's the best boxer at 35 and 45, probably the best wrestler, best jiu-jitsu practitioner. She beats everybody everywhere. Only fight I want to see is Valentina Shevchenko because I don't think anyone else is going give to her, give her a run for her money. You know, Kayla Harrison's interesting, obviously, because of the style. But the last time a judo fighter tried to fight Amanda Nunez, she got torched in 48 seconds, Ronda Rousey. Now, I'm not, I, I actually think Kayla Harrison could be a better Rousey because I do think she has better stand-up. But there's not a fighter on the planet I would bet against Amanda Nunez. I just wouldn't. You know, even at 145, her belt should just have her face on it because no one else is going to beat her. <laughs> Name me a 145 women's fighter on the planet who could beat Amanda Nunez, and I will show you a liar. Because no one's going to touch her. Amanda Nunez, greatest of all time. Yeah, and the last thing I will add uh, before we move on to the main event. For me, the, the overall thing, yes, she is probably better than everybody else in that division, uh, everything. But one thing that she has that no other uh, female fighter can match is the power. Her power is off the charts, and it, it really shocks everybody else in any fight she faces. So speaking of power, Polish power, Jan Blokovich, what a fight, fought beautifully, um, really shocked me. That's why, I, why I'm saying I thought Israel Adesanya actually fought a good fight as well. Great main event. 
Um, Mace, let's start with you. What do you make of it? Yeah, I was totally wrong uh, with my prediction. I thought that Adesanya was going to go in there and, and make it look easy. That's exactly what I said. Um, but what can you say about Jan? He fought the perfect fight. Uh, he was never in any danger whatsoever of losing the belt. Uh, he actually landed more strikes than Adesanya even threw uh, during the fight, which is crazy to think about it considering the, the striker that Adesanya is. Um, Izzy just didn't have it in him to let his hands go. Obviously, he had respect for the power. That was evident. Um, just, yeah, I mean, Jan fought perfectly. He was a better fighter. I don't know if he's a better fighter 10 times out of 10, but he was definitely the better fighter on Saturday, and uh, he deserved it. Uh, I, I, won't, I won't doubt him again. I mean, I honestly didn't think he was going to beat Adesanya at all, and, and he schooled him. I mean, I think he took him down like two or three times as well in the fight. So, uh, yeah, great, great job by him. He deserves to be the champion at 205. I think that obviously he was the champ, but there was questions about it because Jones was out of the division and all that crap. And, uh, but yeah, to beat somebody like Izzy, he's definitely solidified now and he's probably gonna hold that belt for a long time. I must admit, this is a fight I'm really happy I was wrong about. You know, like Mace, I thought Adesanya was going to win this, and I thought he would look good doing it. And by God, was I wrong. Uh, you know, massive credit to Jan Blakovich. You know, I even said it to you guys before the fight, the level of disrespect Blakovich got from the media, you know, only being asked a single question when he's the champion in a press conference. I just think that's very, very insulting. And I'm glad he proved a lot of people wrong. You know, he came out and he fought the perfect fight. His job was solid. I thought he would rush in really recklessly to try and finish it. He was far more composed than Izzy was. You know, happy to counter-strike. And like me said, you could tell Izzy had a lot of respect for the power, which he was very right to have. You know, Adesanya... I think Adesanya realized that his power at 185 is not going to have the same effect at 205 because even whenever he was landing shots against Jan, I was never really scared that Jan was going to get hurt or knocked out. Like he landed a couple of decent combinations up against the cage and Jan, Jan was almost like pewter Jan. You know, he, he just looked bulletproof. So I'm very, very happy for Jan Blakovich. We said last week his wrestling's mad underrated, and he put that to unbelievable use. I don't think Adesanya had been taken down once before in the UFC, and then 60% of Blakovich's takedown attempts landed on him. Three out of five, I believe is what you were alluding to, Mace. Yeah. And they were such good double-leg takedowns too. You know, timed perfectly. Adesanya got his chin down, and then bang, he's he's on his back. And it's not like it's not as if Adesanya was getting taken down and then getting straight back up again. He was held down for a good two, three minutes each time, and I think that's why two of the scorecards were ten eight, just because of how good Jan's wrestling was. I know some of the ten eights were perhaps arguable, but if you look at it in that light, perhaps it becomes more justifiable. But either way, I'm delighted for Jan. He's the real deal. We always knew he was. And I think he's going to be a massive, massive issue for any of the contenders at 205, especially if Rakic and Santos was anything to go by. These guys are going to have to bring it to Blakovic or Polish power is going to obliterate them. Oh, yeah. How, how disappointing was that fight that to open up the car? But I... But... Take yeah, the it, words out of my mouth. What a disappointment that was. Yeah. That was an embarrassment, frankly. 
Yeah. And I'm glad, hey, that a lot, I, man, that main event was so good. Um, a, a lot of the comment, I usually love uh, Joe Rogan, DC and, and John Anik and everything, but watching that, they almost made it seem like Israel Adesanya was winning more than he was and that it was kind of a boring fight is what it made it, they, they made it seem like. But watching it, it, first off, it was not even close to being a boring fight. If you're watching it, you know the two guys are standing right there. And you know, not only is it a big physical warfare, it's also a huge mental warfare in there um, just because you don't know who's going to throw. And honestly, people are going to be bashing Izzy for, for his decision to not uh, put on more weight um, for, for his decision, how he fought. I think he fought how he needed to fight because he could feel very early on the power that Jan Blakovich had just with like one left hook. And he was like, okay, I can't let this guy get close. Chelsea, there you go. But um he, he had to he had to keep him at, at distance. And I think he actually did that too um, for a good job, uh, especially in I you know what's weird. A lot of people had um, the first round for Israel Adesanya's second for Jan Blakovich. I actually had it flipped, um, and I, I'll probably have to rewatch it. Maybe I'm just dumb, but I actually thought Jan won the first round. And Israel Adesanya won the second. Um, it still ends up in the same score for me: 49-47, I believe, 49-48. Uh, but yeah, a good fight, really good fight. Um, just, you know, the two guys are elite that are going at it. And I was shocked. I was really shocked. I thought Israel Adesanya was just going to be go, go in there and just be so much faster, um, punch so much harder than, than Jan Blakovich and just clip him and, and, and knock him out. But Jan fought the perfect fight. He didn't rush in. He didn't, he didn't exert too much energy. I thought he was going to gas out later in the fight. He really didn't show that. Um, he just was patient, picked his shots. Those body kicks, even though only a couple landed, they were doing damage. The leg kicks were huge. Israel Asanya mentioned that in, in the end of the fight. I think it was actually a strategy to wait till the later rounds to take him down once his legs were weaker and he couldn't stand back up immediately. The fourth and fifth, he landed one at the end of the third round. Then the fourth and the fifth round, once he got him down, he got him down. And uh, it was beautiful control. And Israel Asanya looked um, not, not tired, but just unable to get up just because of the size difference. We, whenever we were breaking this fight down, we mentioned the yeah. weight and we thought the weight was going to be a ma massive advantage for Israel Adesanya on the feet, which it ended up not really being, but on the ground, it was a massive advantage for Jan Blakovich because he looked at least 225, 230 on fight day and where Israel Adesanya looks the exact same. So, you know, that's a lot more weight that's being just pressed on you from a guy like Jan Blakovich. Um, and at the end of the uh, at the end of the fifth round, someone got mace with this uh, a little bit ago. Whenever Jan Blakovich stood up and started pounding on his face and, and, and letting his hands go in the last ten seconds, I knew Jan Blakovich got the decision, um, and it was definitely the right decision. Um, and let's go ahead and roll into the next the first fan question. This is from uh, Stuart Campbell. Um, the reason I say this is because or not Stuart. This one is from uh, Sam uh, Hegney, um, and he mentioned what did you think of the scoring of Jan Blakovich versus Israel Adesanya because they did give 49-45s, which is two 10-8 rounds, I believe. Um, what do you guys think about the scoring? Uh, I think the 10-8 round is a little far-fetched. Uh, I, I knew Jan, throughout the fight, I knew Jan was, was doing well. Um, the last two rounds, I thought he won pretty convincingly. When the fight ended, my, my first thought was, which one of the first three rounds could he have pulled out? Obviously, the first round, it seemed like a more of a filling out type of round for both of these guys. Uh, but when I thought back at it, I thought Jan was a little bit more aggressive. So I was like, maybe he pulled out the first. Uh, 
he definitely won the fourth and fifth, but maybe he pulled out the first, and that'll give him the three to two uh, decision. As far as the 10-8 round goes, I, I don't think so. I mean, that's kind of, that's kind of crazy. Um, it's like Adesanya wasn't helpless and dominated. He was taken down and, and, and kept down, but I've seen worse – I've seen worse beatdowns that, that haven't got 10, eight rounds before. Uh, but obviously we're discussing things in our little group chat that we have. And from the start of the night, we were like, the judges cannot play a role in this because they were yes. screwing yeah, up we right from the get go. So uh, I'm not surprised that the, that there was a shout out Nate Diaz. I'm not surprised, <laughs> but I'm not surprised that there was a 10, eight there with the way the judging was going. Like it's just, it's crazy. Uh, not warranted, in my opinion. I think that that while Jan did great work, he didn't just dominate Adesanya, uh, but he definitely fought well enough to win it. Um, so, you know, don't leave it in the hands of the judges. Yeah, I first of all, I agree with Mesa's ending sentiment there. If you want to win, do not leave it in the hands of the judges. We've had a Sonnen quote and a Diaz quote. Now we're going to have a Dana quote. That's effing illegal. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm Full PG. circle. I'm PG on this channel, all right? <laughs> um, now, when we're talking about the actual scoring, I think 49-45 is a little bit far-fetched. I do agree. I, I don't see two 10-8 rounds. I do think the last one was 10-8 just because, you know, the takedown was incredible and he was held down for a very large portion of the round too and he was doing work when Adesanya was on the ground. So I think it was, what was the other one? 49-46, I believe yeah. the other card was. That one, that one was more sensible to me for sure. I had no issue with that. Uh, even like even whenever we were in our group chat and we saw the scorecards, I did say I think forty nine forty five is a bit of a stretch, but forty nine forty six I was happy with because I think Jan deserved to be credited for his amazing wrestling. Um, judging in MMA is a very big issue, and it's an episode we could have a whole podcast on by its own of that. I'm sure. You know, some of the judges have been atrocious and we said it at the very beginning of the night because we were all watching the prelims too. Like I even said earlier, that Aljamain Sterling fight, one judge had him winning and I have no clue where he was obviously watching the Sanhagen fight or something like that to get it from there. But judging's really, really poor and it does need to be uh, evaluated and looked up for sure. Because these judges obviously do not know what they're watching. The one who gave it 49-46, he's not in the wrong at all, because I agree with that. 49-45, mm, it's a little questionable, but I think within the margin of error, you could just about justify it, but nothing more. But for some of the judgments like that Sterling fight, they really, really need to be looked at again. And I do think in some cases, judges should have to justify their decisions after a fight. Because we need to know what these judges are seeing. Because we all we all had Jan ahead comfortably. I know I did, and you guys both did too. So yeah, the scorecards I wasn't terribly mad at, but judging as a whole in MMA, especially the UFC, really needs to be seriously looked at. Like May said, don't leave it in the hands of the judges. And it's sad that we have to say that because we should have reliable judges who can score fights properly. And clearly we can't or we don't. 
Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I'm going to go ahead and go a little bit into judging right now as a whole. I know we could go for, and this will be a topic uh, whenever there is another atrocious decision, but um, overall, I'm glad they got the fighter right because that's what's important, that they got the guy who won. I think we all agree Jan Vlakovic won the fight. People saying Israel Adesanya won the fight, I think they need to go back and watch it. Um, but I, I definitely think Jan won 3-2. to two. I don't know. I don't think I would give a 10-8. Uh, I know, I know, forty nine, forty six is a more reasonable thing, but I wouldn't. I don't think I would give a ten eight because uh, in every single one, even if Jan was on top, Israel Adesanya wasn't just getting completely mauled from the bottom. I, he was at least, I mean, he wasn't doing anything, but like he wasn't getting the most enormous damage from being on the bottom. So I wouldn't give a ten eight. Um, but I, we were saying it, and this is every single card. Um, Dominic Cruz versus Casey Kenny was the first fight where I started seeing the judges go weird. Um, I think that was almost a split decision. Was that? I, I don't remember, but there, I think that was a split decision. Honestly, I don't know. And it was like, how was that a split decision? Yeah, I think it was. And it was like Dominic Cruz won that. Like, how was that even up for debate? So as soon as I saw that, I was like, oh, here we go. And sure enough, a lot of the fights were going to go to a decision, which was uh, surprising. Um, as soon as that fight went there, I honestly thought they were going to score it for Israel Adesanya. I, I didn't, I didn't know um, that that Jan Blakovich is. Um, I, the, I didn't know the way the commentary was going. I honestly thought they were going to score for Israel Adesanya, and I was going to be like, "Oh, that's another title fight with another bad decision." And that's another thing, especially after the Jan Sterling fight that's going to sit bad. I was like, "No, it was a good ending though," but um, I don't agree with the 10-8 scoring and. The last thing I will say is I am a big advocate for open scoring in MMA. They have open scoring for boxing, and that's not even necessarily so the fighters know when that's going on. It's to hold the judges accountable. If you're a judge and you're doing a terrible scorecard, your name should be attached to that so we know, okay, uh, Chris Lee is one that uh, every single time I see his name, it's all over the place. But if, if – I'm just using you as an example. If Chris Lee is on there and he scores um, – uh, 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 that fight for uh, Israel Adesanya or, or Sterling two to one, I, I cannot like, and everybody pretty much agrees that it was completely wrong. You should almost be held accountable with that. And at least like take some training judges. I mean, uh, referees have to take training for their fights uh, and, and rightfully. So I think judges should have to do uh, MMA watching or, or, or training or something. And another thing is too, ju those judges aren't even, MMA guys, that's like a boxing judge. That's like a jujitsu judge. That's like a wrestling judge. So you need to get, I would be okay with like MMA journalists, ex-fighters. I don't know because there's bias there. Um, but MMA, like, like journalists, maybe um, you might be able to see the verdict. I know verdict just got picked up for uh, the PFL, which is going to be interesting. Um, I do have some problems with that because if you guys have like a guy, like if Connor's fighting, everybody wants Connor to win. You score every round for Connor and then that's an official judge. I don't know about that, but um, judging needs to be fixed, needs to be handled. And I think a big step towards that would be open scoring so you can hold guys accountable for terrible scorecards. Overall, this night, though, at least they got all of the fighters correct to one, and we didn't have a huge controversial decision. That's the worst is whenever the judges pick the wrong guy, um, and that's what doesn't sit right. 10-8s, whatever. Uh, it could have been bad if Alessandro won the last round. It would have been a draw. But that being said um, – they, at least they got the guy right for tonight. Yeah, the commentary was totally biased. Um, <clears throat> it it, it would have been a robbery had they given the fight to Adesanya. 
in my opinion. Yes, I completely agree. Any, anybody who, who watches a sport and is familiar with it, knows the sport, at least a decent amount, could tell that Jan was winning that fight. No question. Um, the only thing that they kind of crept through my mind, and it, and it does when certain people are fighting, is Adesanya is a, is a big name. He's a big star. On Saturday night, he's 20-0, and 0, uh, and Jan Blakowicz is really like a – how did he become champ? Okay, he's got power. He can knock people out. He's not popular. He doesn't sell. Adesanya does. So that kind of goes through your mind. That, like, they're going to give this to Adesanya. He's going to be – he'll be a double champ. That's where I was at. He'll over, yeah, he'll reign over two divisions. So – and then with the commentary to go along with it, it's just – it seemed like that could have been something that, that would have happened, but – yeah, the judges got it right, and it's crazy that we're we're kind of debating. Like Jan won, of course, they got it right there, but he didn't win by that. Yeah, big yeah. of a, a landslide, which is which is crazy to think about it. But uh, yeah, they got it right. Yeah, um, I think a factor that we haven't analyzed, and it's one that should be analyzed, is the biased commentary. I was incredibly disappointed watching this fight. You know, Joe Rogan. Daniel Cormier, John Anik, the three of the most respected names in the mixed martial arts world, and they've almost become fanboys of Adesanya. And the, the level of bias was just absolutely crazy. Like, even when the final bell went, Cormier said, unless Adesanya's picked up three rounds, Blakovich has won. Where are you getting three rounds from, DC? And I think the problem with a lot of fights, especially since COVID hit last March, is that judges can hear the commentators and that because commentators are so biased, they're basing it off of what they're saying. And especially when judges are getting panned by guys like Joe Rogan, I think they're under pressure to make wrong judgments and I'm not okay with that at all. I think judges should almost be in like an isolated booth, soundproof, and they should be only focusing on what's in front of them to me, especially in the UFC, there's too much outside pressure on these guys to make the right call. Do I think they need trained? Totally, because there are a lot of boxing guys and jiu-jitsu guys and kickboxing guys, and they're judging it on the wrong aspects of the fight. Um, I, I agree with the open scoring point as well, Jack. I would like to see that implemented. Unfortunately, it hasn't worked in boxing because Adelaide Bird's an absolute joke. Uh, so even I think it was the second Canelo Golovkin fight or whichever one it was I think it was the second fight you know two unbelievably close boxing fights and Natalie Bird pulled out a 118-111 for Canelo like where, where are people getting these yeah, numbers I remember from? That. I don't get it and judges judges just really really need retrained because in both sports it's getting embarrassing now Thankfully, like Jack said, and you're absolutely right, at least the right guy won. But whenever we saw the Casey Kenny Dominic Cruz fight and it said we have a split decision, where are you getting the other round for Casey Kenny from? He was completely gassed in the third round and Dominic clearly won the first. So who's watching these fights? It's just, it's absolutely beyond me. And I'm very disappointed that in 2021, we even still have to go over this because this is an issue that should have been gone over years ago. And Mace makes a really, really good point too about popular fighters. This is why I potentially have an issue with journalists getting involved, because there's certain fighters winning that make better headlines than others. Like, obviously the headline now, deservedly, is Blakovich beats Adesanya. 
But if journalists had been scoring that fight instead of judges, it might have been perhaps more convenient for them to say Adesanya becomes champ champ, beats relatively unknown outside of hardcore fanship Blakovich. And, you know, it comes back circularly to the whole issue of new casual fans and so on and so forth. It's another topic we could go on for for literally hours, but I was very disappointed. Thankfully, the right guy won, though. Yeah, that's actually that's actually a good point about that, and that I didn't consider. But I also feel like there's bias with everybody. There's going to be bias with everybody, and that's a big problem in MMA. Kind of looping back around, though, um, about the bias commentary, they made it seem, and what you what you said kind of blew my mind because I hadn't even looked at the numbers, but Jan Blakovich landed more than Israel Adesanya threw. If you're listening to that fight whenever I was listening, like if you have the fight with the sound on, it makes it seem like Israel, like almost the opposite of that happened. Um, and I don't know. I also didn't disagree. I also disagree with what they were saying about Jan's strategy. Um, they, they, he, they were like, he needs to quit biting on all the feints. I was actually okay with him biting on the feints because if you don't bite on the feints against Israel Adesanya, you could walk right into a combination like Paulo Costa did or a head kick or whatever. He was always on the outside blocking every single head kick. And yes, he was biting on the feints, but it was for good reason as well. And Israel Adesanya was biting on Jan's uh, feints as well, every single one, because, you know, he doesn't want to get, you've seen what Jan does to all the people who land clearly. I think it was the right strategy from both. I just think that the people who were saying it we're not saying it in the way that was actually happening. Um, and I love Joe Rogan. I love Daniel Corman. And I love John Anik. They just, that night was definitely, I think they all kind of wanted Israel Adesanya to become the champ champ. And uh, it's such a unique opportunity for something like that to happen. He's a very charismatic guy. I think they were kind of hoping that would happen and, and really not seeing the fight for how it actually was going, in my opinion. Yeah, Keelan, that, that was an excellent point that you made about the commentary and the judges being able to hear them. Uh, yeah, yeah, that it could influence our decision a hundred percent. So that is an excellent point. And another thing nice. that I, I would consider from the UFC, if the, especially the judging does not pick it up, I mean they got to get their shit together. This is yes. crazy. You're, you're, yes. you're playing with people's careers. You know, you're, you're taking money from people. I mean, it's it's insane. So one thing I would consider, and because you've heard like basketball officials and 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 football referees and, and people say that when they watch a game back. They find things that they missed. They found things they could have called. You know what I mean? When, you, when you're a judge sitting cage side and, you know, you got fighters, world-class fighters going at it, all-out war, you know, and you're sitting there, you really have no clue what's going on to begin with, but then you're having to look around people and look around the ref and find the angle from the cage because they're, they're hitting or they're at a blind spot and you're supposed to be scoring that fight. Why not have these judges, like Keelan said, in a soundproof booth or something, uh, watching this fight on a, on a television? You know what I mean? Because there's a lot that I see that, that I guarantee you they don't see. And vice versa. When you go to a sporting event live, you miss a lot of shit that you'd see on TV. You know what I mean? So I think that would be something that – that should be something that the UFC should, would consider because uh, the judges aren't getting any better. They're actually getting worse as time goes on. And, and and especially the older judges yeah. who might have trouble seeing. I mean, really hearing, really, they really don't make a difference, but seeing exactly what's going on. I mean, these guys are fighting 100 miles an hour, some of the fastest guys in the world, and they're supposed to be able to tell when punches land and, and when, when points should be scored. It's uh, it's crazy. Yeah. Um, I mean, I really can't add much more to what Mia said. I think it's what all of us would fully agree with. 
Um, my final point on this is as well, and I think it's something we've all talked about before too, I think the criteria for scoring needs to be looked at as well because for at least the last decade, there's been so much confusion about what is actually point scoring and what isn't because they're saying, you know, on the one hand, pressure, who controls octagon pressure is point scoring. But then you have guys like Piotr Jan who counter punch excellently off of the pressure that's point scoring. So who's getting the points there? You can't give 10, 10 to both fighters. So, not only does judging massively, massively, massively need to change, but we need to really look at the criteria on what the judges are looking at as well. I think it needs completely revamped and it needs simplified because there's too many technicalities that fighters are getting away with. It's like take Blakovic Adesanya. Blakovic had him on the ground for two minutes, but Adesanya wasn't taking much, much damage and he didn't look helpless at all. But all judges are seeing and marking is the fact that Adesanya's on the ground and he's not on his feet. So what what exactly are we gonna score the guys on? Because it's it's not like the NFL or something where you can watch a hundred instant replays and the games stop stop start by very nature. Fighting isn't that. It's naturally dynamic, all out war for however long the rounds are, or for how many rounds there are. So it definitely all needs to be looked at again. You know, the commissions and Dana and all the other heads of the other major promotions need to sit down and agree unified rules because this is getting beyond a joke now and we're getting too many wrong decisions. And like Mace absolutely perfectly said, you know, guys' careers are getting messed with, money's getting messed with, title opportunities are getting messed with and everything that goes with that. So it, it's, it's all got to be looked at again and they've got to start from scratch. Yeah, I, I don't think uh, any of us could have said it better. I mean, that's uh, obviously judging needs to be reformed in the UFC uh, and in MMA uh, in general. Um, great podcast, guys. Lots of stuff happened. Great fan questions. Thank you so much for all of those. Um, thank you, everyone, so much for listening. Make sure to like and subscribe on YouTube. We are everywhere. iTunes, Spotify, anywhere you can listen to a podcast, we are there. Um, please make sure to go ahead and follow us on Instagram, MMAI.island, uh, and on our website, MMAIsland.net. Thank you again, everyone, so much for listening. A lot happened. Fantastic podcast, guys. Thanks, man. Nice one, guys. Thanks.